Hi, welcome to the Prison Project Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Raskind. This is a podcast about criminal and social justice issues, from prison reform to ethics and everything in between. Available on WDIY 88.1 FM and on WDIY.org. Welcome to episode two. Today on the show, we have Dr. Lloyd Stefan as our guest speaker. Now, Dr. Stefan has many titles. He's a professor of religion studies at Lehigh University, the university chaplain, director of University Dialogue Center, and the director of the Lehigh Prison Project. I even read that you are a trained and certified firefighter in the state of Florida. You've really done it all. Uh, Lloyd, thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure to be here with you. Will you tell us a bit about how you started the Lehigh Prison Project and what it's all about? The Prison Project actually came out of a course that I was teaching back in 2007 and into 2008. It was a course called Practical Justice. I had 30 students in the class, and we broke them into groups of 10 and had them work on um, both academic study of social problems, but also uh, got them into um, actual sites in, in the Lehigh Valley here where um, they would put their their knowledge to to work in in um, it was a service learning course and I, I I like to think it was the first official service learning course we, that 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 arose at at, at Lehigh University um, so we had students who were um, doing um, tutoring in uh, Fountain Hill School we had some folks working with uh, St. Luke's in um, medical issues on the, on the south side of Bethlehem. And we set up uh, a, a, um, a group of students to go over to work in the Northampton County Prison. And um, once the course was over, um, we had this connection with people in the prison over there. And I thought, what a neat thing that was, because the students who worked in the prison were really affected by it. Um, there were, I think, 10, 10 to 12 students who worked there. Mm-hmm. And they, they just had this, um, this sense that um, it, w- it was a great event. They would go over in, there would be like four of them who would go over in a car on a Thursday afternoon or something, and they built up some relationships doing that. Um, but then they really enjoyed meeting the, the inmates over there and working on high school equivalency mm-hmm. programs. So what, what came out of that was um, um, I approached the, uh, the prison and said, can we keep this going, just uh, aside from any academic work? And we just set up this project, and um, it's a tutoring project, and it's been going since 2008. Uh, we've had a, a maximum of like 42 students, I think, in a semester. Right down, right now we're down to about 12 students just because um, there are some problems in, in the prison getting uh, inmates to come down and, and do, the, do the, the study and the work. Um, but the, the Lehigh students who are involved in the, in the tutoring um, find this a very, very meaningful um, uh, part of their experience at Lehigh. It, I, it, it's a transformative experience. They, they've never, I, very few of these students have ever been into a jail. They've never gone through a, a sally port. They've never seen the gates come down and things like that. And it's a, it's a whole different kind of experience for them and then they they meet um, these these people who are in jail for different offenses and um, they, they find out that uh, they're they're just normal people they may have made some bad decisions along the way but um, they're they're um, you know engaging folks and and um, they they seem to provide our, our students with a lot of um, 
a lot of opportunities for for encounter and and um, engagement. You know, I've had some faculty who have participated in this experience, and one faculty person told me that it was the best teaching experience that she had had while she worked at Lehigh, huh. which I thought was a really yeah. <laughs> interesting interesting comment. Uh, for you, what was the most eye-opening experience while you were a tutor? While I was a tutor, um, I, I think the thing um, that I found most surprising um, was just how much uh, the, the, the students, the inmates as students, were, are just ordinary folks. Now, I have, um, I have been in prisons prior to going to the Northampton County Prison, but I hadn't worked on a, on a regular basis. I mean, when I would visit a, um, like a maximum security prison in Pennsylvania, it was a different kind of experience for me. But coming into the Northampton County Prison, um, um, you're, you're meeting people who are um, willing to come every week. They're, mm-hmm. they're working just like students do. And they're at, nonviolent at inmates, mostly. The, the, the inmates who we encounter are the lowest level of security for the, right. for the prison. And I always have to tell students, you have to tell your parents you're doing this. Right. And you have to reassure them that um, you're not in any kind of danger because, you know, parents will worry about that kind of, of thing. But you've, you've met these, these, these yes. folks, and um, these, these are not people who are posing any kind of security threat. But, not at all. But, yeah, but it's, I, th- I think the thing that I found uh, most, most interesting and eye-opening was just, just how normal and everyday the, these folks can be. They're they're in some they're in a difficult environment, mm-hmm. and um, it's not a happy environment. It's not a pleasant environment. But these are still people who can raise a smile. You you can make them laugh if you have a sense of humor, mm-hmm. and and you can work on on problems. Several years ago, I I asked the um, the prison if they could give me some statistics. I was curious to know how many you know since we had the prison project going the whole year. From, from January to December, how many um, inmates passed their, their GEDs? And they, t- they told me in the year I asked for that that there were over 40, 40 students who had done that. And I, really? and I thought if we're looking at outcomes-based projects, this was a very positive project. And then the prison officials gave uh, Lehigh students a lot of credit, even yeah. though a volunteer from, from the university is only over there for maybe 90 minutes a week, you know, one time a week. You know, we, we have different crews of, of students going over there. And like I say, the students do seem to learn more and learn better when there's somebody there um, sitting at the table with them, helping them, and somebody they can ask questions of. And Once they have the focus to do the problems themselves, they really get a grasp of it, I think, quite quickly. I think that's right. I yeah. think that's right. And I, I, I try to emphasize to students who want to volunteer for the program that this is the high point of the week for some of these folks. State law in the, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the, the law says that an individual is only required to be out of their cell for one hour a week to get some, or one hour a day to get some fresh air. And by coming down to the to the school, they get out of their cells, they, they come down and they meet um, a Lehigh student, you know, who's coming from a different kind of environment and different kinds of interests, and and it's I think it's very stimulating for for the in- inmates to meet uh, Lehigh students, and I think it's really good for Lehigh students to meet um, some of these folks and and to uh, look across and see somebody who's in jail, and realize there but for the grace of God go I, you know, it's the, these are these are just regular folks and um, somewhere in their their background probably a recent background, they've made some kind of a mistake and they've wound up there. 
But I, I, I think the um, one of the, the things that is, is important for, for Lehigh students is to realize that um, this is an important moment in the week right. for, for, the, for the inmate. And um, as I say, um, we really require people who participate in the program to, to make a commitment to being there um, week after week. Because right. I don't want to, a lot of these folks come from backgrounds of real disadvantage mm. and um, students aren't allowed really to inquire as to why an inmate has been put in jail, you know, what was the offense, what was your sentence, none of those questions are allowed. but. The fact is that you will find uh, students who are the victims, if you will, of, of disadvantage, economic and social disadvantage. And I think it's an important thing for Lehigh students to encounter people like this mm -hmm. and to realize that they really are just regular people. These right. are not people to be afraid of. and. And to, and to recognize just, our privilege as students, they always, yes. I always get like such a look of you're in a university, you're studying, yeah. this yeah. is incredible. They sometimes don't know people who have gone to college even. And again, going back to what you said about the 23 hours a day in solitary confinement sometimes, I notice being like that one hour of the day that they're not inside a cell. It's the most engaging hour of their day. It's the most that they can have contact with a, a human and uh, it, it is the highlight for them as as much as it is the highlight for us I think or of, of my week that's what I hear from students and have right. heard since we started this program um, I realize when we when we advertise for an information session about what this is there are there are students at Lehigh who see an opportunity to really pad their resume with this mm -hmm. really interesting thing to put on it and um, and I don't I don't mind that at all I don't right. mind whatever is the motivation for your coming in I I am convinced that by the third week of doing this people mm -hmm. are going because they want to go and they're getting some in incredible almost intangible benefit from it we we talk in higher education about opportunities for transformative education and meaning making and I think that uh, I think that the, the prison project is, is one of the things that does provide our, our students and, and our faculty who participate as well with, with something that reminds them that there, there is meaning in, in the work we do and in the encounters, in the encounters we have with other people. And um, often the people we, we encounter are, are, are people of less privilege than we have mm -hmm. and people who have been in trouble. And um, the, the, the question then is, what are we going to do to help? And the volunteers for the prison project are, are trying to help these, these individuals um, so that when they leave jail, they, they will be able to stay out of jail. I mean, the Northampton County Prison has a recidivism rate in the upper 60s, low 70s. That's what Ooh. the numbers have been. Yeah. So um, there's Why a good... Why do you think that is? Oh, because we don't have great resources to help people once they get out of prison. And that's not just in Northampton County, that is across the country. Mm -hmm. And many times um, uh, someone who is released from prison will have difficulties adjusting to society outside of prison. And it's just, just easier. There, there was a study in Chicago that indicated that some people needing mental health um, care actually went out and committed crimes 
so that they could get into jail, so right. they could get access to some mental health. Even if it wasn't the greatest mental health treatment available, it was still something that they could not get on their own living out in society. So there are so many complicated problems um, in American society with which our prison system interacts. That we, we, have, we have a long way to go in terms of trying to, to figure out how to deal with offenses in society and, and creating a society where, where jail is not some kind of a, a problem-solving option. Right. I think also when you look at people who um, struggle with addiction and they are put into prison for many years and then, you know, Maybe the therapy treatment is not that great, but they're getting off of drugs and they come back and they live on the streets again and drugs are stronger than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And it's so easy to fall back into the same pattern of addiction or um, whatever it might be that got them in in the first place. Those things do happen. Um, Our hope is that by getting a GED, Mm -hmm. by getting your high school equivalents, that uh, maybe community college is an option for you. Maybe going off to community college, then a four-year college will be an option for you. And um, if we can um, relieve people of some of the stigmas of having been in jail and um, create a society where if you offend and owe a debt to society, once that debt is paid, then we're done. Um, we'll, we'll create a, a better social environment for, um, for people to come back into society and, and um, have, have uh, more opportunities for, for economic and social uh, growth and, um, and participation, you know, as, as citizens, as, as responsible citizens. And that's, that's what the, the hope is in all of this. What would be some other steps that we should take to get to that society? Well, some of the problems that I think that we face are are systemic because um, the mass incarceration issue, which has created this, um, you know, it's made America the the largest imprisoner Mm -hmm. in in the world. You know, the foundation of that really is um, racial politics, the war on drugs. Um, One of the most important things that I think I've ever read on the, the race and mass incarceration came from um, a a White House uh, special um, advisor to President Richard Nixon. Mm -hmm. Um, This was John Ehrlichman, who many of us who have memory of Watergate were embroiled in so many (laughs) scandals these days, you forget which one's which, but during, during, he was a a major player in Watergate and he was convicted and served some time in jail, but Mm -hmm. he was the domestic um, advisor to President Nixon when they came up with the the war on drugs. You know, it, uh, there was a, an early iteration of that in the Nixon administration, and Reagan did his iteration of it later. But when Ehrlichman was interviewed one time, and he, he's an interesting fellow because I, I think as he moved away in, into later life, he became a, a person wanting to um, atone for some of his sins, if you will. Yeah. And, and he admitted to an interviewer that the war on drugs was clearly directed at 
black Americans, mm. that it was directed at the urban environment, and it was going to imprison more and more blacks who were offenders. Now, the, the drug problem is pretty evenly, um, by percentage of racial population, equivalent to, to blacks and whites. Mm-hmm. But blacks wind up in, incarcerated at much higher rates than whites. And it's because if you're a white person doing powder cocaine in your basement out in the suburbs, the police can't see you. If you're, you're dealing targeted. if you're dealing on a street corner where we've got a, a squad car over on the other side, maybe they will see you. Right. And the whole dynamic is set up to... Um, to deal with 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 inner city and with um, with uh, with a racial component, and Ehrlichman admitted that. Wow. I mean, nobody had ever said. Everybody said that's what was happening. The right. people who would analyze this. I'm talking about out. criminologists yeah. and stuff. But he was the first person who said, "Oh yeah, when we were sitting down figuring this out, we knew this is what the consequence was going to be." And it's just it's just it's, of Nixon. Yeah, yeah, it's just phenomenal to 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 think about that. So when you ask about what do we need to do, we need to address the problem of racism in American society. Absolutely. Um, if the problem of racism were were dealt with, the mass incarceration business would would end. I believe. I really do, and and there is there is a there is a movement. Um, there are so many people in prison today for nonviolent crimes who should not be in prison for those right. crimes. And there's a whole movement. It's called decarceration. Angela Davis um, is one of the people who has been pushing for this in very very serious ways, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's what we do need to do. We do need to move toward a decarceration, a, a less of a reliance on prisons to to deal with social problems and um, you know poverty is a huge issue in American society race is a huge problem in American society and um, we we are not um, addressing those problems so if you want to fix the um, incarceration problem in the United States I think we do need to focus in on on racial issues and on um, a criminal justice system that is affected by um, poverty and by by race Right. I always think that victimless crimes are punished way too harshly today, and it's, it's helping no one. Well, one of the things that came up in the war on drugs, uh, you know, was this idea of mandatory sentences, which mm-hmm. takes away um, from judges the discretion to offer different kinds of sentences. So if somebody is convicted of a, of a drug offense and they're told by the law that if there's a guilty verdict, you have to put them in jail, say, for 10 years, that's preventing a judge from saying, well, this person who has committed this offense is a um, an economic provider for his family. And um, if we put him in jail, we are pushing his family further into poverty. So we need to keep that person out of jail so that person can have a job and work. And if there is something that needs to be done um, as, a, as a punishment, let's, let's figure out what that should be. But those kinds of um, um, discretionary actions are, are taken away by mandatory sentences, and that is one of the huge problems that has helped contribute to the mass incarceration business. And it still applies when people take a plea deal, right, to mandatory sentences? Um, I I believe it does, or it has in the past, yes, I believe that's right, yeah. Let's change gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the books that you've authored and edited. There's 11 of them. 
and that includes publications on the morality of being pro-choice and abortion rights, uh, the ethics of the death penalty, assisted suicide, and mass incarceration. Um, I'd love to focus on your work on the death penalty. Well, the, the death penalty is um, uh, something that I have, I have worked on um, mm -hmm. a, a good bit, and um, I, have, um, I have visited death rows in, in Tennessee and, and several of them in, in Pennsylvania. What was that like? Well, um, it depends where you go. Right. Um, the, the first prison I went to was out in the um, central Pennsylvania, south of um, uh, State College, and it was like uh, walking into um, 17th century London or something, a huge old brick building with razor wire over it, and it was blackened stone, you know, the building, and um, it was uh, just a very old kind of decrepit um, Dickinson-like uh, building, and, uh, um, and I've all, there's, there's a, a death row out in uh, Washington County, which is um, in the southwestern corner of the state, which is a modern supermax facility, um, and I have visited there you know, that's just all very modern. And when you finally get out to the place where death row is, uh, there's a central um, um, glass enclosure where, um, you know, a, an officer of the prison will be seated and controls doors and, and all of that, but has this view. It's a very modern kind of facility. So we have, um, um, you know, ancient you know, 17th century looking buildings and we have these um, kind of spiffy, 20th century things, but um, you know the inmates just to come down to um, to meet with you, even in the fancy places. I mean, there's no way that being in solitary confinement on death row, um, no matter it, how nice it is. Well, yeah, right. uh, no matter well, you know how modern it is. These these folks are. Um, um, you know, pretty much in um, in solitary confinement if you're on death row, and there's no way that they are being um, uh, you know handed drugs or weapons or something like that. The the control on it is just just too much. But just to come down from their cell to um, a visitor spot, they go through a strip search. You know, there's just you know humiliation after humiliation yeah. with these folks, and they come in chained on their feet and their hands and all that, and they. Um, it's um, it's a very um, it's a very controlled kind of environment, and um, um, the people I've met on death row um, have not struck me as people who are particularly dangerous. And I took some students out one time to um, to um, the, the Washington place to meet a person that I was convinced from things I had read and attorneys I had met that this person, uh, Jimmy Dennis, was actually wrongly convicted. And I had some meet, students meet with him and they wound up then working with some attorneys in Philadelphia, um, doing some running around, um, looking for witnesses and things like that. There was a lot involved in that. But Jimmy Dennis was, quite a few years ago, actually released from, um, from death row. He really? was, I mean, he was um, exonerated wow. for, from the crime. So, um, 
there are wrongful convictions, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and it's one of the it's one of the shocking things to think about with respect to death row that um, um, we like to think that we don't make mistakes on things as serious as murder, but we make mistakes, I think, all the time. We're human. We we, we are human, do. and we do make mistakes, and we are we are inflamed by um, you know horrible crimes, and um, we we do want a, a, a kind of vengeance against people who may have committed them, but we don't always get the right person. And um, yeah, I think death row is um, is is one of the, the the worst things that we do um, as a society. I was going to ask, do you believe in well, it at all? Or well, you know, it's the idea that um, we we can. Um, you know, if we have problems in our society, we can solve them by even more violence. Mm-hmm. And I think just putting a person in prison is is a is a violent action in many in many respects. But um, to impose a death sentence on somebody is 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 an incredibly violent thing to be doing, and it's presented as a solution to our problems, and um, and it's not a solution to our problems. Right. So it's a it's um, yeah, it is something I have uh, I've had. Um, you know, personal in, in encounters with, um, but it's also something that I that I study because I I, I think it is one of the um, sometimes overlooked great moral issues of our time, mm-hmm. the the execution power, um, and the execution power can be dressed up in legality as we do in the United States, but it's also something that is used in all kinds of political situations and. Um, It's something I'm very much concerned about. So thank you so much, Lloyd, for being here today. Before we wrap up, how can listeners get more involved or create change against some of the problems that we discussed today? Well, be a voter is always something we can recommend. And, um, you know, places like the Northampton County Jail have volunteers. There are most prisons and jails, if not all of them, have some kind of a person assigned um, as a volunteer coordinator. And if you have interest in um, uh, going into a jail and working with inmates in some kind of capacity, uh, you should feel free to contact the prison and find out what you can do. Local churches send people over to jails all the time. Those are usually Bible studies. But people come in and do yoga. They come in and do different kinds of things. And right. there might be Donating opportunities books, for that kind of stuff. yeah, and to do tutoring like like you folks are doing. So there are there are lots of opportunities to to connect with people. Absolutely. Well, this has been very educational for me. You're phenomenal. Thank you so much for coming in today. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank all you. right.